0: one uh, version of that chorus says jesus be the center of my life amen and that's it's a great sounding chorus but in application it's a whole lot harder for a lot of people to really live that to allow to to say jesus be the center of my life and probably every one of us that came to an altar or stood in our pew or wherever it was we received the Holy Ghost into some form or fashion we made that promise to God. If you'll give me the Holy Ghost, I'll do whatever you want. My life is yours or something to that effect. I know those were the kind of things that I said because this was so awesome to me that I had to have this and it didn't matter whatever it took at the time. Amen. And so we've got to We've got to kind of keep that mindset you know, as we go through life day after day. All the cares and concerns of this world will, are there sometimes it draw us away from that. And it's like I talk to the Lord all day long while I'm walking around and in, in, subbing in these schools or whatever. And I'm just kind of constantly reminding myself by telling him, you are the center of my life. You are the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you amen i don't i can't walk around i can't take three steps without knowing that the lord gave me the breath and the ability in my body to do it amen and i can't begin to think i got this amen because i don't when you think (laughs) what does the bible say if you think you stand take heed because you're gonna fall amen and he'll let us fall so that we can figure out that we really need him I, we can't do anything we, you know that scripture says in john 15 and 5 without me ye can do nothing except my word abide. except you abide in me and my word abides in you and that's really kind of leading into this if you want to start recording if you already have that's fine cool You know, this this study that we've been doing this month called Overcoming False Doctrine, that's really, in my mind, that's really what it's all about, keeping Jesus and his word and his precepts and principles in his word in the center of my life. You know, if you eat chocolate cake every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you throw in a couple of Big Macs and you throw in some just all kinds of fat and sugar, in your diet what's going to happen over time is that you're going to start it's going to start showing on your body what you're eating right and so by the same token you take that person that's that's gained all that weight from eating like that they turn around and they start eating different and they start eating carrots instead of potato chips and they start eating a piece of fruit instead of a piece of cake and so on and so forth and they start walking differently acting differently and it doesn't just happen they they don't just wake up one day and say i'm going to lose weight and i'm just going to start eating differently they have to get up every day and make themselves until that becomes a habit and then they still have to keep on top of that because they could they could revert back to that old way because it's it's hard even if you've been especially been doing something for a long time it's hard to walk past that donut or that piece of cake you know like those days when you choose to fast that's the only day of the week they bring donuts into work or bagels or whatever (laughs) oh lord help me (laughs) help me to walk past that donut (laughs) all right i fasted for two hours i'm gonna have a donut (laughs) right and we we laugh at that but that's reality and so we've got to feed ourselves with the things of god like the old story about the if you have a dog that you're gonna and your dog's gonna fight that guy's dog over there and, and you don't feed your dog and he feeds his dog, who's gonna win the fight? The one that's nourished and, and, and receives the nutrition. So we gotta nourish ourselves with this word and you know, the more you put in you, the more the, the, the more coarse your filter is, the easier it is for you to recognize when it's, something's not just quite right with something that you hear some other thing, some other doctrine, that's what we're talking about, overcoming false doctrine, right? And so I've kind of been hammering this, and I I made the reference to banking. If you know what an authentic $100 bill looks like and feels like, and you learn that in your mind without looking at it, you can tell if it's a real one or not, you'll know when a fake one comes. Just like that. So it's the same thing with our with knowing this doctrine that saved us in the first place. What does, the, what does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Study. Under God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. He was telling that to Timothy. And by extension he was telling that to us. you got to study. To show yourself approved unto God. Well God my pastor preached it. And I wrote notes down about it. And I've got the notes right here with me. No, God's going to hold you accountable. He's going to hold us accountable. I mean, He made it so that we can have as many Bibles as we want. He made it so that we can have... i got 10 or 15 Bibles on this iPad. And all kinds of study stuff on here. I mean, it's just... There's no reason not to have the word of God with you. Amen. And so this is how we really overcome false doctrine. Know what the real doctrine is. And know it like you know your own name, like you know your your kids' names, your grand. You just know it inside out, forwards and backwards. And there's nothing that's going to come along and, and upset that. Amen. So let's read our key scripture for this month's lesson then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread anybody ever read something in the bible and you just looked at it and you didn't understand anything of what you just read it just like greek that's how these disciples felt when jesus was telling them this he thought well Maybe we need to be careful and not eat the bread, like the real bread. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that kind of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And who were those people? They were religious. They were Jewish people. And they were practicing a lot of stuff that wasn't in the Mosaic Law that had been added because they went into bondage into Babylon. And they, they kind of added some stuff along the way, and they ended up calling it Judaism. So there was a lot of man-made rules and, and things that they kind of added in there. And that's what Jesus was warning them to be careful of. Because they were the religious elites. They were the, the intelligent people. They were like the college professors. And they were, they were the ones that everybody knew... If anybody knew anything about Scripture, it was those guys, and they did. They knew the Scriptures. They knew the Old Testament, the all, the Septuagint, and all of that. They knew all of that, and so it was hard to question some of the things that they said. But Jesus was telling his disciples, "I'm coming to do away with all that stuff." So I, he was giving them, you know, when a when a when a rabbi back in the, in the Bible days. He would select a young man or young men to be his disciples, just like Elijah and Elisha. And what did what did Elisha do? He followed Elijah around everywhere he went. He ate what he ate. He read what he read. He went where he went. And Elijah tried to, t- to kind of send him off, and he said, nope, I'm not leaving. Just to kind of test him to see if he was serious. And so these rabbis in the Old Testament, they would take young men and they would make them disciples and why did they do that because these rabbis knew that they weren't going to live forever and they needed somebody to pass this on to you know brother terry it's just like teaching young men how to measure with a tape tape measure and how to cut and how to do all this stuff because the next generation has got to come along and build the houses you can't build them all your life right so we have trades that we teach people, you know, teaching young girls how to sew or teaching, you know, boys how to hunt or whatever. So that the next generation knows how to do those things. So that's why they had those. And that's what Jesus was doing. They they considered him a rabbi. And so he had all these followers. They weren't necessarily up on all the scriptures yet. But they, they, they were interested in Jesus and they, they knew he was the Messiah. And so... They were willing to follow him around and learn from him. And so he used those opportunities we read throughout the New Testament. He used opportunities like that scripture we just read to to show them things, to put nuggets of truth in their life. Because he knew being Jesus, being God, that he wasn't going to be around much longer. So he needed to put as much as he could into these guys before he left. Right? And it's when you're, when you're training up a guy to, to take over a trade that you've done all your life, there comes a point in time where you got to kind of kick him out of the nest, cut him loose, right? And you know what? They're going to make mistakes. Because you've done everything you can to put everything in them you can, but they're still going to make mistakes until they learn from their mistakes. Right? And the disciples did that. But he put everything into them he could. So that when the time came for them to be, for lack of a better term in charge of everything they were they would be able to then turn around and take young men like Timothy and make disciples out of them right? So we got to know the authentic. We got to know what the doctrines are and the, everything that we need to know is where in the Bible. and it's in you know it's in common English you can get the new living translation you can get all these translations to help you understand what it says but most of our understanding comes from the lord lord give me understanding i know that brother parker has stood up here many times and said when you're reading scripture sometimes and i do this when i before i start reading my my bread reading and stuff lord let what i read today say something this morning to me let it let it speak to me and invariably before i get past the first chapter of whatever i'm reading i'm already off on a on this thing, I'm off on a on a Word document thing making notes. Because something will jump out there and go, wow, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note about that and study it later. Amen. And so we've, we've got to get into this Word. We've got to get this Word into us. Amen. Because when we're out there where the field is, what are we going to do? Amen. If you got this in you, you don't have to worry. The Bible said, don't worry about what you're going to say. When the time comes, I'll give you what to say. If you've, if you've filled yourself up with the Word of God, trust me, when the, when the Lord puts you in an opportunity to minister to somebody, it'll start flowing out of you, and you'll be thinking to yourself, wow, where did that come from? And you'll start feeling like a Bible scholar. But that's the Holy, Holy Ghost just bringing those things out. Amen? And so let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, New Living Translation. I'm going to have Sister Michaela put that up. Yeah, it's different than what most of y'all have probably. But when Peter came to Antioch and had to oppose, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who, we're not circumcised. See, here we go with this, the religious traditions, right? Doctrine, The old doctrines that Jesus did away with. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Hmm. He was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision, the Jews or the Judaizers, of which he was one. So he let peer pressure... Here he was sitting and eating with the Gentiles. And when all of his buddies, his Jewish buddies, came along, he didn't want to, oh, I don't want them to see me eating with the Gentiles. So he suddenly changed his whole tune and went over here and ate with the Jews. Like, I don't hang with those guys. He was a, what was he, a hypocrite? As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. Whoa. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. How easily... Peter fell into that trap of falling back into the old ways of doing things. How easily he fell into that. And as you read that, you find out it has started affecting other people around him. So we got to not only be, beware of false doctrine for ourselves, if we don't know that we know that we know this, it's going to affect somebody else that we're trying to minister to and disciple. So we got to know. we got to know this doesn't mean you have to be a Bible scholar, but we've got to know this stuff. Amen. It goes on to say, When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew, uh, by birth have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish tradition?" You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. And that's, that's far enough. And so what was what was Paul saying? He's like make up your mind, Peter. Either you're going to be one of Jesus Christ's followers or you're going to be a Jew. An old testament Jew, but you can't be both. You can't you gotta get off the fence, Peter. Make up your mind that you're not going to succumb to all of this pressure and all of this, the persecution and all of the, the negative opinions. Don't It doesn't matter what people think. Amen. How many in this room are convinced, besides me, that you have this truth? The Bible says we have this treasure in earth. and What treasure is it that we have? The doctrines of this word. Amen. It was a doctrine that saved you. Amen. It was a teaching that saved you. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he was telling them, he was teaching them, here's what you gotta do. Because they asked him. And when somebody asks, you just say, I'm glad you asked that. What an opportunity, right? It's like like I heard Dave Ramsey say, Well, you asked. When somebody asks him about money or whatever, you know, and he gives them an answer they don't like, he says, well, you asked, what did you expect me to do? So we, we got to be, able to be able to share. I know I just repeated myself. We got to be able to share this truth. And it's so simple. Peter, he didn't, he didn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. He just said, oh, you want to know what to do? Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You just took a doctrine into your life and said, I need that. And I want to make that a part of me. So by your own testimony, you know that doctrine is true. And as we walked in this truth, as we started growing in this truth, we took on other doctrines in our life, doctrines of holiness and separation and living righteous and living and doing right and doing unto others as we would have them do unto us and all those things. Amen. It's things that we live every day, really, if we're truly apostolic. So it's not really hard. And so what so you just don't don't settle for just saying, Well, I know it. Know it more, know it deeper. Study it deeper. Amen? Study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. It's your relationship with Him, right? I can't. My sons can't live off of my relationship with the Lord, or vice versa. I can't live off of their relationship. I got to have my own with the Lord. So the moral law was stayed the same, but it was the old Mosaic, all of the the rules and the regulations. What was what Jesus did away with. All of the sacrificing of animals and all of that stuff. He said, I'm doing away with all of that. In one fell swoop, I'm going to the cross and doing away with all that. And the Judaizers were trying to keep some of that stuff alive. And he said, no, that stuff's gone. And do we have that today? Absolutely. There's all kinds of doctrines out there that, you know, the Bible calls them doctrines of devils. And it's not blatant stuff like in your face. It's just subtle little things, just subtle little things that that if you don't know the authentic, you can be easily persuaded away from this. So you got to know it. Amen? I'm going to answer to God for where I am and what my walk is and, and all those things. I cannot pull my wife up there and say, say, honey, tell him. That, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to stand before God. You're going to stand before God. He's going to look at us and look down at that book and say, it was right here. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you tell somebody? The guy with the one talent that just buried it in the ground. Why didn't you share it with somebody? Why didn't you multiply my talent? It's simple. You think Peter was nervous on the day of Pentecost? Maybe a little. Anybody ever gotten in front of a group of people to speak? And not been nervous? He just had to flow in the Holy Ghost and just say what God told him to say and let the rest chips fall where they may. And those that were hungry, what did they do? They responded. Those that weren't hungry? Like I said recently, I believe Paul was probably in that crowd because he was was one of those Judaizers. He was probably standing there in the crowd. It's just my imagination. I'm just, this is the gospel according to me. Going, eh, That's that Jesus group again. I'll get those guys. Right? But that's what he ended up doing. He was lost in false doctrine. Amen? But God is merciful. God is merciful. He knows our heart. And he took all that sincerity and all that, All that zeal that Paul had and he used it for his good. So we've got to, you know, we we can't just wander off into false doctrine and say, well, God will use it for good. (laughs) We've got to stay in this truth, amen, because people out there outside this door, they see enough religion every day. I don't want, I guess you could call it false doctrine. They see enough religion every day. They're tired of religion. Right? What we have is something that's real. That's, that's better than any religion there is out there. How many of us can testify to that? I've been in, the re, in religion, and I can tell you this is the best thing that's going on. And so we got to keep this real. we got to keep it as real as it was on the day that we received the Holy Ghost because they need to see the real. They need to see the authentic so that they can stand back and say, I found it. I was there. I finally found what I needed to find. The authentic. Now I know the rest of it's not real. Amen? Moving right along. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9. Here's Paul again. All of his letters were encouraging these churches that already had leaders over them. He was was accentuating the fact that they needed to be Cautious and be careful and stay studied and stay up to speed on on the things of God's Word. Be not carried away with divers and strange lusts, strange doctrines. So what is he saying? There were some divers and strange doctrines in that day. And so he was warning them, be careful. Don't be carried away with this stuff. For it is good thing that the heart be established with grace. Not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. What is the grace of God? I look to look at it as more than just His unmerited favor. It's His empowering us by His Spirit to do things that we couldn't otherwise do by putting His doctrine in us. Amen? Hebrews 13, verse 17, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified if you want to put it up in the... Oh, there it is. Obey your spiritual leaders. Wow. There's a lot in those three words right there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I believe that God sent this man that stands behind this pulpit to be the spiritual leader of this church and of this city. He is here from God for us and for all those that walk in that door. And so we've got to obey the spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. And where did they get their authority? From God. If God sent them, he sent them with his authority to operate under his authority as a representative of his authority, right? For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare, as men who will have to render an account to their trust. He's been entrusted and every pastor, Brother Boyd, or who, you can just pick anybody in your mind that you know is a pastor or minister over a group of people. They have been entrusted with the souls that God has placed under them to pray for them. While he's in North Carolina Going through all this with his family, he's praying for us every day, just like he does when he's here. He never fails because he's going to have to give an answer and give an account. Amen? Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable for you either. Amen? Amen. Matter of fact, let's return the favor, if you will. Let's keep our pastor and his wife lifted up continually. I know you're probably already doing that. But just in case you're not, let's keep them lifted up every day. Because this is how I view it. The more I pray for this man of God, for God to deal with him and speak to him for the, on behalf of this church, the more he's going to say what thus saith the Lord. If I'm keeping him lifted up, God's going to use him to speak the things I need to hear that we need to hear. Amen. And it's more it's not just about us staying saved, but it's about us going forward. Amen. I don't want to ever stop growing. Anybody want to stop growing? I'm not talking about spirit, physically, I'm talking about spiritually. I want to continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And how do we do that? In this in this day and age, the way Jesus set it up is that we have a man of God that he has set over us to teach us, just like Jesus taught his disciples. Amen? So as he teaches us, as we receive impartation, as we receive these doctrines and we make this solid and permanent in our life, overcoming those false doctrines that might try to slip in, that gives us fuel, like I've already said, to go out there in the field and to share this with somebody else. Amen? Amen, thank God. Second Timothy 113 through14 says, "Hold fast the form of sound words. this is in the King James, which thou hast heard of me. He's talking to Timothy, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us." Keep that thing that God has put in you. Keep it by the Holy Ghost. Keep your relationship strong. Keep that the the flow of of His Spirit with your Spirit. That that if you want to look at it like that that ladder, that tunnel, that that space in between you and God. Keep that open, the lines of communication open. Amen. You never know when God's going to start using you to do something. Here we had a pastor that was in Detroit just. <laughs> Pastoring a church, minding his own business. Not expecting God to do any more than just help him pastor that church. And the next thing he knows, he's at the UN preaching to people from all over the world that are kings and, and all these high-end officials. And he's baptizing 34 people and people God's filling them with the Holy Ghost. And he had no idea that was coming. So we've got to maintain our walk. We've got to maintain our relationship because we never know when God's going to st- cause us to step up to something that he had planned for us all along. Amen? And what's he looking for? Somebody that's faithful. Somebody that's committed. Somebody that's, that loves this truth and loves this doctrine. Not just so that they can boast and brag to people about how much they know, but because they have a love for this truth. A deep-seated love. A deep-seated relationship. Right? And then an availability helps. When God knows you're totally, fully, completely, one hundred percent submitted to Him, and that you're available, He'll He'll He's no respecter of persons. He'll cause anybody to step up if they're willing, and ready, and able to do it. Amen. He's just looking for available people. <clears throat> Matthew ten verse seven through eight. Says, as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received; freely give. Amen. We don't want to keep this to ourselves. Amen. I know we're talking about overcoming false doctrine, but once we get once we get to that place, and I believe most of us are there. We've got to take what we have and give it away. Share it with somebody else. Sometimes discipleship takes a long time. I've been reading a book recently, and the man that wrote the book has a neighbor, I might have told this story already, lives across the street from him that had a really bad experience in a denominational church, but he just, him and his wife just took cookies across the street one day, and this man's going through stuff with his... His wife and his daughter or whatever. So long story short, he ended up going over there once a week to just sit and talk to that man about the Lord and just teaching him a Bible study. And in, in 10 months or a year or whatever, he's never invited him to church. What's he doing? He's discipling. He's using wisdom because that man had a bad experience in a church. He's waiting for that man to decide when he's ready. So what is he doing in the meantime? Discipling. I mean, Jesus discipled those 12 men for about, well, he was his ministry was three and a half years, so about two years of that or so, he was discipling these men, pouring into them everything that he could. And so that's what this man is doing, and that's what we need to do. Amen? In many cases, we're not going to teach, we're not going to share a scripture with somebody at work and this week and go teach them a, a Bible study in the next 10 weeks and then they're just going to come here and baptize, get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. It might not happen that way. I'd love to see it happen that way. But people today are skeptical. And there's a lot of religion going around. So they're going to, sometimes you're going to have to work with somebody for a long time. Amen. Just discipling them, just being their friend, taking them out to lunch, you know, playing golf with them or whatever it is that you do. You never know. Amen. And one day they're going to say, you know what? I mean in the process of you teaching them that Bible study you might be they might start calling you pastor and you're not even you know just because the same man that was writing this book talked about he one Bible study he went to that he was teaching to a family every time he went to the door one of the kids would come to the door and say mom dad god's here because <laughs> in their mind that's what he represented and he ended up winning that whole family and they became solid people in the church it was all through a discipling process so we've got to know this stuff people out there are depending on us knowing this truth amen and we know it amen so as i keep saying it's not hard to to push to know when the false doctrine's coming and just push it aside it's our job to go out there and show them that what's true and what's false amen and On the lesson paper, I wanted to kind of get to this a little bit. Under letter D, it says that we are to develop an intense desire for truth. Amen? The key word there is develop. It's a constant process. God, today, give me more of a love for truth than I had yesterday. Put in me a love for truth. Because that's really where the desire comes from, from him. Because we couldn't desire to serve the Lord just by ourselves on our own. He had to draw us. So we need him to give us that desire. Lord, cause me to lay aside the desires for other things and cause me to have a desire for your word that's so strong and so deep. That's all I want to do. Amen. We need that. It says, Buy the truth there in Proverbs twenty three, twenty three, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. This truth and these doctrines and these things that we believe and that we live, they never change. The word of God never changes. The doctrines of salvation never change. They don't change with the times, they don't change with the seasons. It's this, the Word of God is what, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know when Jesus, when God says forever, He really means forever. Because to Him, forever is not the same as what we believe forever is. Because before Abraham was, I am. Isn't that what He said? And when, when Moses asked, well, what who did I tell Him sent me? I am. Was I am mean? Self-existent one. So did he have a beginning? Nope. He didn't. He is the beginning. He is the ending. There, there was no starting place with God. He always has been. He always will be. And his truth and his doctrine that he set forth always will be. So we can stand on this. We can stand on these doctrines. Amen? The truth doesn't change. We, therefore, we've got to seek the truth to, at all costs. Whatever it takes, God. As it says right there, we must have a sincere love for the truth. Amen? We've got to beware not only of false doctrine, but of distractions. If we don't live in a distracted society, I don't know what it is. We live in a very distracted society, and it's easy to even ourselves to get distracted from what we're really on this earth for. We're pilgrims just passing through. We can't let ourselves get caught up in this life. Amen? You know, there's a certain kind of truck that I like a lot a certain body style of a certain kind of truck, I'm not going to say what it is, that I like a, a lot. And every time I see a new one driving down the road or even a fairly new one, this is what I say. Why is that guy driving my truck? <laughs> Why? Why do I say that? Because you know, a little part of me is almost like coveting that. And I have to say, God, forgive me for that. I'm thankful for the paid-for truck I've got. I don't need that. But see how easily this society and this world just draws. It You can just be drawn away so easily, especially now. I've got to have that Black Friday special because I really need one of those. (laughs) And Half of those people are out buying stuff they don't need. They're going to end up selling it for less than what they paid for it or giving it away. Right? How easily we can let ourselves get distracted from our purpose for being here, making disciples of men. What, that's what he told us: Go ye therefore, teach all nations, making disciples of men. What did Jesus? He taught his disciples. He, they were his disciples, and what did they do? They did what he did. They went and found some more people, and made disciples. That's what Paul was talking to Timothy about. Timothy was Paul's disciple. And Paul knew he wasn't going to be living much longer. He knew it was a matter of time before they were going to kill him. So he was putting everything he could into Timothy and Titus and all these young men that he had already launched out there in the ministry and, and over these churches, over these congregations and said, I'm giving you some last minute instructions, guys. Stay in the truth. Don't buy the truth and sell it not. Don't. Let false doctrine get in the way. The people out there that you're going to disciple need this. That's what he was telling Timothy. The people that we disciple are going to need to know, and they'll know that you know that you know. They'll know. They'll just know. Because it, it'll be very apparent to them that you are solid in what you believe. Amen? Praise God. This all right tonight, amen. <laughs> Cooking with oil, right? And really, kind of at the end of this, as I'm bringing this down to a close, Brother Parker's one of his last notes here says, "When we know the truth, we can clearly see and know wrong." That's kind of what I've been saying. When we know the authentic, the counterfeit is going to stick out like a sore thumb. And we know the authentic. We know, what, we know what the false doctrines are. So we've got to go from this point and run with this thing. And get it out there. Plant those seeds. Water. Do all those things about, we talked about last month about the harvest. We've got to get the seed out in the field. Amen? Plant this seed. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen when you plant this seed. You might have an opportunity to just, just drop a, a word to somebody and then they get on a plane and go somewhere else. But you might have just planted the seed that somebody else down the road waters and God will get the increase. That's He said that. You plant, somebody else waters, God's going to get the increase. Amen? What does it say toward the end of the book of Acts chapter 2? It says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved the lord added the people did their part they went from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship and teaching and showing them what what they had but who ended up bringing them to, to truth and to salvation was the lord amen we can count on him and and in summary here it says jesus and his apostles warned us to beware of false doctrines prophets and teachers as there would be many in the last day, are we living in the last day? Absolutely. Paul told the church at Corinth, "For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the the apostles of Christ." And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's comparing those guys to Satan. Therefore, it is not is no great thing for his ministers also. Be transformed as ministers of righteousness, who then shall be according to their works. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen to fifteen. However, if we develop a love for truth and God's word and the things of God, we can recognize these deceivers and false teachers and overcome their false doctrine. And in some cases, you know, who was it that came to Jesus by night? Nicodemus. Amen. Who was it that came to bury Jesus? Another one of those guys that was a believer, he just kind of kept it to himself. So you never know the person that's coming to you with false doctrine. Amen. What did those two, what did that married couple in the Bible do when when they went to that guy that was very knowledgeable in the word of God and they they expounded the word of God to him more fully. They gave him better understanding. And he was like, and I'm paraphrasing, Oh, I never saw it that way. Wow. So you never know, the one that's that's preaching false doctrine, you might be able to open their eyes. Amen. If, if he did it then, he can do it now. Amen. I mean, we there's plenty of testimonies of whole churches that used to be this denomination or that denomination, and the, and the pastor meeting with one of our people and having a breakfast Bible study, and next thing you know, the, the guy's getting his eyes open and saying, Man, I got to baptize my whole church that way. And they go back and lose half their church, but they baptize the other half. Amen? People are hungry, people want to know the truth. Amen? Isn't that what they do in court? You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth So help you, God? All right? So that's what we need to do. God, I, I'm i going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. Amen. He wants to add to the kingdom such as should be saved. Amen. So we, he's made us his disciples, so it's our job to go out and make disciples, isn't it? Amen. We've got this truth. We we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let's run with it. Amen. Let's all stand.